How am I doing? Is this on? Can you hear me? Okay, good. <coughs> uh, it's funny. By the way, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible and you want one or need one, just raise your hand. Uh, we have people in the back. They'll be happy to bring you a Bible. Okay, uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll spend a lot of our time uh, in that text, looking at it, kind of picking it apart. Uh, I just have to say, while you're turning there, it's really funny because that Allie just talks about what she talks about because, first of all, I went to Passion too. Let me start with that. So I was a part of the group Allie went with. Um, so that's where I was last weekend for the, what, those three or four days. And uh, so we knew she was going to do that video and talk about it. Um, I also knew Marin was going to get up and talk about NDCC. But with, I, I really didn't conspire with Marin and Allie, like what we were going to talk about. I mean, when Marin was talking about Christ's return, and then Allie to talk about the song, Jesus is Coming Soon, which I may or may not bring that up later. <laughs> Just a hint. Um, but then Allie talking about our conversion to Christ, talking about John Piper's message and everything, and I'm just sitting there shaking my head like, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. And, I mean, I'm, you can look at me, I'm honest. Like, we did not conspire at all, very little. I didn't tell her what to say. She just came up and said that. I mean, God in his providence <laughs> ordained that everything Marin's going to say and everything Allie's going to say is going to line up with what I'm going to say right here. So that's just incredible. Um, that being said, uh, let's go to the text and let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, going down to verse 6. Uh, this is Paul talking, 2 Corinthians here. Uh, by the way, I'm reading out of the ESV. If some of you have the NLT, which a lot of you do, it'll just sound a little different. That's no big deal, right? Just different translation, same basic words. So starting in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing each and every one of us here this morning. And God, wherever we are, uh, whether we've placed our faith in you or not, whether we have for years, um, God, wherever we are in our journey, I pray that today uh, you would reveal to us the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, that we would see his glory well, with fresh eyes. And God, that we would just be overwhelmed by it. I pray that for this morning. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs> so, start talking about passion here. Um, so, when you guys get back from somewhere, from doing something, what do people always ask you? What's the one question? Pretty simple question, three words. How was it, right? Yeah, so, uh, so of course, I got back from passion last Monday, and I knew from eight to ten people asked me, oh, well, how was passion? How was it? And uh, if you know me... <laughs> 
this isn't going to be a surprise to you. My family's here, they'll laugh at me when I say this. Uh, but normally when I'm asked the question, how was it, here's my response. Good. <laughs> right? Some of you that might not come as a surprise uh, if you know me at all. Um, but, you know, people ask me, Landon, how was school? Good. How was work? Good. If you want more details, you're going to have to ask. That's just how I am. <laughs> so, yeah, ever ask me a question, that's, yeah, just a forewarning for you. Uh, but when I got back from Passion and people started asking me how it was, my response was a lot different. All right, instead of just going, good. I might have said that once or twice, I don't know. Some of you might think, like, oh, you said that to me. I don't know, I might have. Uh, but most of the time, my response is a lot different, and it went something like this. Landon, how was passion? Uh, awesome, like, amazing, like, I mean, incredible. Like, I didn't know what to say. And even right now, I can't give you adjectives to describe just how amazing passion was. Right, like Ali, Ali, Ali mentioned that too. I can't stand here and just say, passion was great. If you ever have a chance, go. I can't do that. Uh, and so what I hope to do uh, is just to kind of take everything passion is about and their vision, their mission, uh, and what happens in Atlanta, Georgia every year, and kind of bring that back to us here today at True North Church. So that's what I want to do. And with that, uh, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. Before I do that, I'll go back to passion. I'm sorry. First timer, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like Ali talked about, passion is great for a number of reasons. First of all, there are great worship leaders there. Big name Christian artists. Chris Tomlin, David Crowder, Matt Radman, Christy Knuckles. Right? Some, a lot of you have heard of those people, and you're like, dude, that's awesome. You guys got to hear them? Yeah, we did. And let me tell you something. They're good. Like the Passion Band, they're all a part of that, and like six more people. They're like seven guitars and eight singers, and I mean, it's amazing. On top of that, they're playing in an NBA arena. So, you know, 20,000 people packs in an arena, and it's just a cool place. There are lights and there are lasers going. Like, I'm telling you, it's awesome. You could be hostile to the name of Christ, but you walk in that place, you'd be like, hey, this is pretty cool. Like, Right? So we're tracking. Like, you, you, can you picture that, that place? On top of that, like Ali said, there are great speakers. Big name pastors who are great communicators. John Piper, Francis Chan, Louis Giglio. If you've ever heard them, you know uh, they're funny, they're engaging, uh, they, they challenge you, and, and they're just fun to listen to. Right? So they were awesome. On top of all of that, we're in Atlanta, Georgia in January. And uh, if you don't know, it's not like negative 35 there. I mean, the last day we were there, it was 60 and sunny. We're walking around in Georgia. I'm wearing shorts. Then I got back late uh, Sunday night, and it was, you know, negative 12, and it was a rude awakening for me. So, uh, But all those things are incredible, and they, they made passion great. They really did. However... As great as every single one of those things are, as great as the music was, as great as the speakers are, as cool as it was to be in Atlanta, Georgia in January in the Atlanta Hawks NBA arena, those things don't even compare to what makes passion so great. I mean, they're not even on the radar. They're not even close. And so, as I'm talking here, I just have this question in mind, 
What is it that makes passion so great? Right, what is it that makes passion so great? What is it that made NDCC so great for Marin? Right, or what, what makes church special on Sunday morning? What we do here every week when we gather, what makes this so special? So have those questions in mind as we read through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So let's look at verse 6 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to start with verse 6. I want to read verse 4, talk about those, then come back to verses 1, 2, and 5 a little bit later. So let's start in verse 6, and let's read here. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Two verses before, in verse 4, Paul says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, think about the glory of God. Right. How, what's one way the glory of God is revealed that you always think of? I know what I always think of. Nature. Right. You're driving down the road, you see a great sunset, like the, all the pinks, the purples, oranges, reds, like all on that canvas of the sky. Right? You know what I'm talking about? We've all seen that. You, take, you snap a picture, Instagram or whatever, put it on social media, hashtag blessed maybe. Right? Or, or think, you see a mountain range. You go to Tennessee or you go out west and and you just see the mountains and the backdrop of the sky. Or, or maybe, I know Mindy likes this, you see a snowflake, and you just see it, its intricacies and how detailed it is, and, and we just see the glory of God in that. So we see the glory of God in nature. Am I right? Right. Now, as glorious as all those things are, and as much as God reveals his glory in nature— he reveals it even more in something else. Right? And that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so I just want to say, uh, in, in the gospel, the glory of God is revealed most fully, right? And most comprehensively, right? Most definitively, right? And most beautifully. Right? So as great as that mountain range is, great as that sunrise is, it doesn't compare to the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what is this gospel? What makes it so glorious? Right? Because Paul, Paul calls it that in uh, verse 4 and verse 6. He calls it the glory of God or the glory of God in the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the glory or the gospel is, you know, by its very nature, the glory of Christ. And so what is the gospel? Why is it so glorious? Right? Well, let's talk about it. And by the way, if you're sitting there, you're thinking like, oh, we got to hear the gospel again. Like, I've, look, I've already believed in Jesus. Like, I've heard it. I've placed my faith in Jesus. I don't need to hear it anymore. All right, if that's you, I'm here to tell you, you do. <laughs> All right, because listen, as much as the gospel is for unbelievers to hear and, and believe and, and be saved, it's just as much for believers uh, that we might continue, uh, continually just be overwhelmed by the grace of God and his glory. All right, so... Let's talk about the gospel. What is it? Let's start with the bad news. And so some of the senior high kids are in here. They're probably laughing because we talked about this earlier this year. And uh, we just spent one night talking about the bad news of the gospel. 
or that kind of starts gospel, not the bad news of the gospel, but it's part of it. And uh, we all left that night kind of depressed because let me tell you something, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It might be worse than some of you can imagine. All right, but we need to talk about it because in order for there to be good news of the gospel in the end, there has to be bad news to start out. There's no bad news, there's no good news at the end. Does that make sense? So we got to talk about the bad news. And here it is. We are all outside of Christ, hopelessly sinful, dead in our sin and trespasses, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, and separated from the God who created us. Right? In our natural state, outside of Christ, we are all hopelessly sinful, separated from the God who created us. Right? I can take you to numerous passages of Scripture and, and show you that. If you want to contest that, just come to me later. I'll be happy. I'll take you through, and I'll show you that that's, <laughs> biblically, that's who we are outside of Christ. Not only that, okay, so, so what about our good works then, right? So we're really bad. We're separated from God. So like, but like, I can do some good works. Like, I do good things. That can kind of make me right with God, right? Restore that relationship. I, like, I go to church every Sunday. I, I pray, uh, I mean, I don't know, I help old ladies across the street. Whatever you want to say, like, I do good things. Like, you don't know me. Like, I'm a good person. All right, first of all, I just, you're not. I can show you that biblically. <laughs> Outside of Christ. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. I mean, I do, but I don't, so. Um, but here's the thing. Those good works we try to do, we, we, that we think can, you know, kind of, we can step up that ladder to God in heaven, right? Those good works, futile, worthless. Isaiah 64, 6, prophet Isaiah says, our so-called righteous deeds are nothing but filthy rags. And uh, I won't tell you exactly what that means, but it's gross. So we talked about the senior high one night too. So you can ask one of the senior high kids what filthy rags means. They'll be happy to tell you. Uh, just know this. Our, so those deeds we do, those good works we do that we're relying on to try to reconcile us to God are worthless. And nothing but filthy, soiled rags. So, are you seeing the bad news here? Are you seeing it? All right, so left to ourselves, to our own devices, we are utterly hopeless. Now, in steps Jesus. And we just celebrated Christmas, so we can talk about this. All right, Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity. Hebrews 1 calls Jesus the radiance of the glory of God. You know, Jesus, the one for whom and by whom all things were created. Yeah, yeah that Jesus, at, you know, Christmas, we celebrate it, takes on human flesh. You know, born of a virgin as a baby, human baby, fully human. And so he lives a fully human life as well. So Jesus, fully God, he's fully human as well, lives a human life in every way. He's tempted in all the same ways we're tempted, yet he lives a perfect, sinless, righteous life. All right, so you know what that means? That means that everywhere that you fell short of God's glory, right, Christ was perfect. Everywhere that you were rebellious against the God of the universe, Christ was perfectly submissive. Everywhere that you sinned, Christ didn't. He succeeded. Right, that's what that means when we say Christ lived a sinless, perfect, righteous life. So he lives this life, uh, and then he's crucified 
on a Roman cross. And here's what happened on the cross. Too often we just talk about it, we're like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And we just kind of stop there and like, that's all we say, and, which is good, but we just get kind of complacent in saying that, like, yeah, Christ died for my sins on the cross. You know, right? I know, I, I'm guilty of saying that too, so trust me, I'm there. But what happened on the cross? So on the cross, Christ took all of our shortcomings, all of our sin, all of our rebellion against God, and he, he took it upon himself. Right? And he, he literally became our sin. So that when he was being crucified, brutally beaten and murdered on the cross, it was God the Father actively pouring out his wrath that was reserved for us onto Christ. So that when we believe in Christ, we put our faith in him, he is credited with your sin, your rebellion, and all your shortcomings. He's credited with that. And God on the cross pours out his wrath on Christ so that there's no wrath left for you. And when you believe, you are credited with Christ's perfect, sinless, righteous life. So now that when God looks at us as believers, he doesn't see that sinless, rebellious, or excuse me, sinful, rebellious human. He sees Christ, the righteousness of Christ. And it only gets better from there. Right? Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. Right? And this wasn't like Jesus when he raises Lazarus from the dead, where Jesus being God calls Lazarus forth. This isn't like that. It's Jesus himself, like he just raises himself from the dead. Have any of you ever done that? Like, like you died and you're just like, I'm just going to raise from the dead now. You ever decide that? I haven't. I mean, I don't think we can do that. Right? Christ, he just decides one day, like, yep, it's time. I'm coming out, boys. Look out. And so that when, when we're united to Christ by faith, when he, he's credited with our sinful life, when we're credited with his perfect righteousness, there's no condemnation left for us. We're in Christ Jesus. Right. And then at the end of time, we will be united with him in his resurrection. Victorious over death. That's the gospel. Right? This is the good news of the gospel. And this is the pinnacle of the glory of God. That the glory of God revealed most beautifully, most majestically. Right, so picture God's glory as a mountain, Mount Everest, right? This huge mountain, that's God's glory. The pinnacle, the peak of that, the apex is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, God's glory revealed most fully right, in saving hopelessly sinful people, reconciling them to himself. And this is why Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 6, calls it the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is why he says, God has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of, glory, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Right, that's why he says it. Now, some of you in here are not believers in Christ. Right, and if that's you, listen, I'm just, man, I've been praying for you. I'm just hoping and urging that today is a day of salvation, that today you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ for the first time and that you believe. 
Right? Maybe you've heard it before, but today's a day. Like maybe you've grown up hearing that your whole life and you're like, yeah, I get it, whatever. But then all of a sudden today, it's like the light switch goes on and you see the glory of Christ and you're like, I think I believe that. Like if that's you, man, you know, come talk to me afterwards. If not me, find somebody who's a trusted believer in Christ. Go talk to that person. All right, that's not something to keep to yourself. So again, listen, I, I spent the first 16 years of my life as uh, calling myself a Christian, but not really seeing the glory of Christ in the gospel until that one day it just clicked and I saw it. All right, so listen, if that's you, I'm telling you, I've been there. See the glory of Christ in the gospel and believe. And if you're sitting there, that, again, thinking, I believe what's happening to me, come talk to us afterwards. We'll be happy to talk with you and pray with you. Now, others of us have been believers, right? We've seen the glory of Christ We've legitimately seen it and believed, and now we're Christians, and right, all those things, right? And that's great, trust me. But we, we've kind of grown stale and stagnant in our faith. And we, don't, we, we still don't really see the glory of Christ. Like we saw it at one time, we've seen it at times, but lately we just haven't really been seeing it, and we're just kind of going through the motions now, going, doing this whole church thing. Right? And I'm prone to that too. I can tell you that from experience. Listen, I'm as prone to that as any of you in here. I really am. Now, it's very easy to just fall into that routine and to not be overwhelmed by the glory of Christ in the gospel. And so if that's you today, you're kind of in that stale, stagnant place, just going through the motions routine, man, I'm urging you, see the glory of Christ with fresh eyes and be overwhelmed by it be enamored by the glory of Christ in the gospel. Now, back to passion. What makes passion so great? Here's what makes passion so great. Let's look at verses 1, 2, and 5 uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Uh, Paul says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Jump down to verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Listen, right here, what Paul says in those three verses, that's what makes passion so great. That's what makes NDCC so great. That makes what we do here every Sunday so great. We don't, we don't preach ourselves. Like, we don't, like Paul says in verse 5, we don't proclaim ourselves. Like, I don't care about myself. Like, I care about the glory of Christ. Like, listen, Ben and all his band up here, they're good. Like, Ben's good. He's awesome. He doesn't proclaim himself. Like, he's here for the glory of Christ. Right? Pastor Rex, great speaker. Really is. Great preacher. I enjoy listening to him. Rogers gave me a thumbs up. Here you go. Good feedback, Rex. Right? But we don't come here to hear Pastor Rex, as great as he is. We don't come here to listen to Ben play music. We come here to see the glory of Christ. They do that. Rex preaches. Ben plays music to proclaim the glory of Christ. And so we don't come here to hear them. We come here to hear about and see and proclaim with them the glory of Jesus Christ. 
I'm telling you, that's what they do at Passion. Like Ali said, you know, we got David Crowder, Chris Tomlin, uh, Christian Stanfield, John Piper, Louis Giglio. It'd be really easy for those guys to get up there and, you know, go, John Piper, everybody. Louis Giglio, David Crowder, right, give me some. You know, Money Manziel. They don't do that. I, I don't even know if they even announced their names. Like, there wasn't one single time they walked out and said, everybody, put your hands together for Chris Tomlin. I mean, at some point, they might have announced a speaker like, hey, my good friend Francis Chan is talking. Just, you know, welcome him. I mean, that's it. Because <laughs> they don't care. They're not there to proclaim themselves. They're not there to better themselves. They're there to proclaim the glory of Christ and to lead 20,000 people in doing the same thing. Right? They're there singing those songs, playing those, writing those songs, playing that music, doing all the lasers, the speakers are speaking, all of those things, because they have been overwhelmed by the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And again, they're just there serving us for Jesus' sake. That's what they're there for. Right? They don't tamper with God's word like Paul says in uh, verses 1 and 2. They don't water it down. They don't kind of um, distort the gospel to make it more appealing or more palatable to the 20,000 people there. They just preach Christ. Right? They just preach Christ. You know, they don't use underhanded, uh, cunning ways. They don't like, you know, like hold the bait up here and then whoop, like slip in the gospel. Like, oh, we got you to believe, you know. They don't do that. They just preach Christ. And that's what we want to do here. We just want to be overwhelmed by the glory of Christ, right? Preach that, share that, proclaim it, and then go live our lives in light of that. And so what happens when Christ is preached? Like, what happens when we refuse to uh, tamper with God's word, when we refuse to proclaim ourselves, and we just preach Christ in all his glory? People, people change. <laughs> you know, unbelievers who walk their whole lives in darkness, who have refused to believe the gospel of Christ, who are still living dead in their sin and trespasses, their eyes are opened, right? They see the glory of Christ, they believe for the first time, and they pass from death to life. That's what happens when Christ's glory is preached. What happens when we preach the glory of Christ and nothing else, right? Christians who have still been stuck in sinful habits all of a sudden just forget it and drop it because they've seen the glory of Christ and they've seen that that's better. I don't need that sinful habit. I've seen the glory of Christ and I have that. I don't need that. People change when the glory of God is preached in the gospel. I mean, what happens? Stale Christians who might have gone to church their whole life say they've believed uh, this kind of stuck and going through that motion, stuck in that rut now, all of a sudden they come awake again, they come alive, and they see the glory of God fresh. And all of a sudden they're excited to live it out. All of a sudden God's word is just jumping out of the pages, changing my mind and changing my heart. All of a sudden my prayer when I'm, time, when I'm spending time with God is just, like, it's not just boring. I'm actually spending time with the God of this universe. That's what happens when Christ is preached. And his glory is proclaimed. And quite honestly, this, to an extent, this is what happened to me at Passion. Like I said before, I'm as prone to this as anybody. Now, I've been a Christian for a while. It's very easy for me to just fall into the routine. To just kind of wake up, 
you know, put on a relatively nice shirt, walk into church, and then just sit here, listen to some music, listen to Rex talk, and then just leave and go home, you know, sleep and watch football. Very easy for me to do that. It's very easy for me to just put off opening my Bible, uh, you know, God's word to us, and just, like, eh, I'll read it some other time. Very easy for me to say, eh, I'd rather watch a movie than, you know, spend time praying with the God of the universe who created me and saved me through Christ. I'm very prone to that. And I can tell you that going to Passion, that was a wake-up call for me, it was. I think we all need that from time to time. And so my prayer, and I've been praying for this man for the last couple of days, I've been praying for every person in this place this morning. My prayer is that God would open our eyes to his glory, right? That we'd see him with fresh eyes and a fresh heart. And that we would be overwhelmed by his glory. Just enamored with it, enthralled with it. Because that's the best thing there is, I'm telling you. I've seen it. I've experienced other things. I've experienced the glory of God. I've seen it firsthand. Let me tell you, that's the best thing there is. There's nothing better. And so my prayer is that that would be true of each of us here today. That we would see the glory of Christ with fresh eyes. Unbelievers, that you would see the glory of Christ the first time and that you would believe. That you would place your faith in Christ and be saved. Christians, whether you're stuck in a rut or stagnant or stale, that you would see the glory of Christ with fresh eyes and that you would come alive and that your life would just be transformed. I mean, this is what Rex has been talking about in his one not done series, right? If you believed in Christ, you've won in Christ. It's finished, but there's work to do. And we just kind of throw that off, right? Like, I know there's like, I just like, God calls me to like not sin and uh, I don't know, like pray and like share the gospel with people. But it's like, I don't know, I'll get around to it like, you know, six years from now, then I'll do it. Maybe next week or next month, then I'll do it. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ and you've seen the glory of Christ, you've been overwhelmed by it, that stuff's just going to happen naturally. It is. So we've won, like Rex has been saying, but we're not done. So see the glory of Christ. See it. And let that motivate you to go out and live the life Christ has called us to live. Now, this is funny because um, it's in closing here. Uh, Allie mentioned the song we sang at Passion, and uh, the, the chorus went something like this. Uh, like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. I mean, we sang that like every single session, if not twice a session. Like, we just kept singing it, and it never got old. It was just awesome. And since then, like she said, I've been playing the YouTube video on my phone like 10 times a day. I just can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of singing it and listening to it. And we're going to get ready to sing that here in a little bit. We'll watch that video of Chris Tom performing it from Passion. We'll get to sing it. Um, but before we get there, I just want to say, uh, it, it, this could be a whole other sermon, so, but it won't be, I promise. Don't worry. Um, in the New Testament, the church... Uh, speaking of the worldwide church, the universal church, all of those who have believed in the name of Christ and been saved are now part of the church worldwide. 
right? And so the church is pictured as a bride, as the bride of Christ. Right, so church equals bride, groom equals Christ. That we are his bride, he, are, he is his groom. He is our groom. Wow, what am I saying? Like, man. <laughs> so do we have that picture down, right? Like, Christ, our groom and our king, church, us here, True North Church, we are Christ's bride. And so right now, we're at this weird place in history where Christ has already come once to seek and to redeem his bride, the church, and he's done that, he's accomplished that, but now we're in this place, kind of like the engagement, where we're just kind of waiting, like, all right, Jesus, you've come for, for us once, but now, like, like we, we want to see you in all your glory, like, we want to be united with you in your glory for all eternity. Now just, now just come and take us home and join us with yourself in your glory for eternity. Right. So that's kind of the place we're at in the history of the world right now, the history of the church. We're just waiting eagerly for Christ's return. And so when we sing these words, let's sing them from the heart. Right? Maybe for the first time, we're going to sing these words from the heart. I, I just keep picturing, like, uh, I've, I've never been married, by the way, so I can't really speak about this from experience, but <laughs> I just keep picturing, like, uh, a bride or a soon-to-be bride, and she's, she's engaged to her soon-to-be husband, and I just keep picturing the, the months and, and the weeks and the days leading up to their marriage. I gotta believe there's some anticipation there, am I right? Women, like, yeah? Like, like you, just, like, you just can't wait. Like, you're so overwhelmed by the presence of your soon-to-be husband, your groom, that, like, you, you just can't wait to finally be united with him in marriage. Right? And that's where we are as a church, and that's what needs to be true of the church worldwide and of us here at True North. We need to be so overwhelmed, so enamored by our coming groom, Christ, that we just proclaim that day after day. And so that's my prayer for True North Church. That we would be a church ready for Christ to come. And that we'd sing of that every day. That every single heart in this room today would be just longing eagerly with great anticipation for the coming of Christ, our groom and king. My prayer is that we would never grow dull or, or bored with the glory of Christ. And so every single day, even when we don't want to, when it's hard, when things are tough, may we wake up saying, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Father, we've come here this morning. Some of us haven't been to church every week for the past uh, 5, 10, 15 years. God, some of us have um, believed in you for a long time, uh, but so many of us have grown stale and stagnant. We've just fallen into the routine of uh, waking up, coming to this, this thing we call church, and, and then just going home. Father, I pray 
for every single person in here, that you would shine light into the darkness of their hearts. That each and every one of us would see your glory with fresh eyes. And God, I just pray that we would be overwhelmed by it. That we wouldn't just go through the motions. God, I pray that we would never grow dull or bored with your glory. But God, that we would wake up each day just seeking your face, seeking your glory, seeking to proclaim that glory to all those people in our lives. And so, Father, I pray for this church moving forward. May we be a church that is longing for you, our King. That is just waiting eagerly for you to come. And as we do, may we, again, just be overwhelmed by your glory, proclaiming that to everyone who comes in this place and everyone who we meet throughout the week. God, we thank you and we praise you. And the praise and our worship belongs to no one else but you. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.